CHGO White Sox post-game show coming to you live from Studio A of our CHGO offices here in West Loop, in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me, Vinny Duber. Follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. We are coming to you live after a White Sox win. Six to two. They got one in New York. Uh, they were not able to, uh, they, they avoided the sweep. Well, we I'll tell you what. I mean, it's just the same old story. The, the White Sox couldn't get any run support for Jose Quintana today. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like it's, I feel like it's 2016 <laughs> all over again. Hey, I mean, 20. What a hilarious joke. No, Go ahead. You should have said 2017, though, because like they have like the same record. Oh, they traded him in 2017. And they traded him yeah. in 2017. Yeah. I mean, like, again, I've been tr- trying to draw the comparisons that he's a, uh, you know, Lucas Giolito is kind of Jose Quintana. He doesn't have the, the control and he pitches from the left hand side and he's from California. Jose Quintana is not. That's um, true. Yeah. So it's not exactly one to one, but, you know, there's similarities enough. I didn't. Just in case some folks are wondering, I did not get the memo about the uh, about the get-ups today. So, everyone, Sean is Sean is so summary. Your every- summary is what you are, and I'm I'm just not, and that's fine. But I wish I wish we would have co- coordinated a little bit. To it, be quite honest with you, I well I, I don't have a raspberry beret quite like you do. But I made I could have found something in a secondhand store. Oh jeez, I made the the joke that it was a strawberry beret. Sure, uh, thank you, Prince. I would have uh, said peach. I don't think you know your color. That, that looks like peach to me. Peach. That's Strawberry's peach. red, red. Strawberry is just well, red, red. Well, I said strawberry milkshake. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can see that would be yeah, two that's like strawberry, strawberry flavored ice cream. You know, you get the brick of ice cream with the three flavors. That this, that's the pink color for sure. I, I would yeah. say this is closer to like a peach salmon, the shirt, because yeah. that's got a little bit of orange. Mm-hmm. This is pretty baby pink. You know, baby pink, baby pink. I think you know. I mean, I'm just trying to. The shirt is wh- mango. Wh- what would the the shirt's what? Mango. No, no. no. Mango is you like don't orange. know colors. Yeah. Wow. You don't know well, how to. Your say head the is word. peach. I don't. I don't know how to tell you this. Say the word water. I will not. Okay. Water. Right. Um, and yes, Clark says. Uh, in summary, Sean is summary, uh, which, which I liked. I mean, I, I will text you what I'm wearing from here on out, but I honestly I mean, feel like that might be annoying. Day. Just when it's a theme day. I don't know if it was a theme day. I don't day. need to know, like, I'm just wearing a green hoodie today. I don't need to know that. But, like, this is this is something. This is a whole situation. And I'm not knocking it. Yeah, I, know, I, know. I think it is fun. But, you know, making me look, I look black T-shirt over here by comparison. I feel like I'm blending into the chair. You, you were wearing the Rush shirt. Uh, in Maine. Yeah. You're just a working man. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's, true. that's what you're given. Yeah. Uh, I was close to Canada. That's why I was in a state that bordered Canada. I felt I needed to get all Canadian. You're getting all the, the Getty Lee uh, energy yeah. from over there. But I, I mean, you know, I, I got to say people in the office have been very nice about the outfit. Um, but what I've, I've said to people is, you know, got to wear clothes all 365 days of the year. Boy, that's true. Gets boring putting on the same <laughs> shirt. And then when you get something new, which is, I didn't get this, I stole this from uh, my, my partner, uh, you know, wh- why not? You know, I mean, I had this shirt, had the jeans, had the shoes, just the hat, honestly. It's a, it's a good shirt. I um, like the shirt. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm not it, sure right? I would, I'm not sure I could pull off the raspberry beret. We'll, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> you want to wear it? No. Okay. Uh Adrian says, uh, I'm looking like the cover to Mario Paint as well. Uh, so it's a me. Um, let's get into the game. Uh, Sox win 6-2. to two. You bring up Jose Quintana. He's making his first start for the Mets, uh, the Metropolitans, this year. Uh, just was signed after being a Cardinal and a Pirate. Um, 
What'd you make of the Sox offense? I know, obviously, um, you know, early on there was some runs, and then Quintana kind of settled in, and then they had that explosion once Smith came in. Uh, but but what'd you make of the Sox uh, early on in that game in the first two innings, getting to that two nothing lead? Yeah, I mean they got the job done, right? I mean, how many times uh, have we watched this year the White Sox? get that done to them by the opposing team where it's just one run in the first inning or or two runs over the first three innings let's say but then you put yourself in a position where you're you're up to to you know you're you're in front and you're able to add on at the end this is what you're supposed to do this is how you win a baseball game and that um right there is the White Sox doing what this offense was supposed to do now not quite not 100 percent there were no home runs today by the by the white Sox. uh this is not a fearsome menacing has jose quintana shaken in his boots kind of lineup Mm -hmm. uh the way they've been uh performing throughout the season but all you got to do is is you know get a sack fly here and there get an rbi ground out here and there's single string a couple singles together you put runs on the board you score runs you win baseball games it's not uh any sort of revolutionary analysis by me but it is something that the white Sox offense has failed to do over and over and over again this year so when you do something like this regardless of the caliber of pitcher it's 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 often going to put you in a good position to be able to win a ball game. Well, and then later on in the sixth inning, where they started scoring more runs, uh, what they ended up scoring four in that inning. Um, I, we were watching with the CHGO Blackhawks guys, and Greg Boyson uh, laughed when the when they walked the first time. They have the Sox walk presented by Felco, and he laughed. He was like, "Huh." You know, the Sox getting their first walk in the sixth inning. I was like, yeah, that, that usually happens. Honestly, that's kind of early for them. And, of course, you know, they walk. They have that threat in the sixth inning, and they're able to cushion this lead. And that lead was, you know, the, the, the winning margin right there was uh, settled in the sixth inning, uh, all by just having really good at-bats uh, against that the, the, the bullpen arm in, in Smith. Um, but, again, like, it just feels like a little too late. Like, does feel like Tim Anderson's kind of coming alive here. He had another two hits today, um, both pretty solid uh, exit velocity, three hard hits, um, also turned a very nice double play. We're just seeing a lot more consistency, I feel like, from Tim Anderson. I know someone brought up a quote in the chat yesterday that he had to Scott Merkin just saying, like, you know, I still feel like I'm a top shortstop in this league. And, you know, that is something that does define a lot of the great athletes is confidence. And, you know, Tim Anderson uh, might not be happy with his play, but he might still be confident in his ability to produce. And it does feel like there's a little bit of swag emerging from Tim Anderson uh, since the All-Star break, which is, you know, just looking for signs of life. I know they didn't win the series in New York. I think that's something. I mean, especially if Tim Anderson is going to be a part of the 2024 team or if he's going to be a piece that's dealt in on the first. Yeah, I'll quickly, before talking about TA, I'll go ahead and address Kevin's comment. One ticket for Barbie, one for Oppenheimer. Little does he know, I really want to see Barbie. I have next to no interest in Oppenheimer, so we should be wearing flipped uniforms here today. And little does he know, I'm going to see Oppenheimer first. I'm going to see that on Friday. I already have my tickets. Exactly. So. I, I, I want to, you know... Mm. Oh, oh, Barbie, let's go party. I, I am more go. of the destroyer of worlds. Thank yeah. you very much. Uh, but yeah, you're right. With TA... Um, I don't think we should be surprised by any of what you were talking about. Uh, T.A. was not healthy for the vast majority of this season. We saw the knee injury that happened in Minnesota in the very, what, that was the very first beginning, uh, one of the opening series of the season. We saw that he came back a little too soon from it because we could see him out there running the bases, playing the field. We knew he wasn't moving around all that well. The lack of health in your legs 
prevents you from having power, from hitting the ball hard. And guess what? As time has gone along, he has gotten healthier. His legs have gotten more normal. I'm not saying he's back to the guy that he was when he's winning batting titles and, and, and coming close to 20 home runs. But as his legs feel more normal, we're seeing what we're more used to out of Tim Anderson. That confidence, is anybody surprised to hear a comment like that from Tim Anderson? This guy has defined his whole career over the last several years on being that kind of guy, saying those kinds of things. And it's often been talked about as a very positive trait, like you alluded to, a guy who has confidence in himself, who wants to go out there and, and, you know, has a bit of an edge to him, wants to show the other team that he's going to beat him. He's brought up that team-wide, the White Sox have been missing that at times. Uh, That that kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, the uh, whole stomp on the throat mentality kind of thing the 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 keep pushing the don't let up off the gas pedal thing he's been critical of the team not having that he's a guy who has had that throughout his career uh particularly as he has ascended to that all-star level has he had a bad season absolutely he's had a bad season it can be explained away as i i just went through with some of the health issues and if he goes and has the remaining two months whether it's in a white Sox uniform or if he does happen to be one of the guys that they look to trade um greater health feeling more normal feeling more like himself is going to allow him to do the kind of things that he's done in the past and i don't think anybody should be surprised if all of a sudden they look up at the beginning of september and they're like oh yeah tim anderson i remember that guy well and (laughs) i don't think anyone would be surprised but man it just feel remiss it it would just feel like such a opportunity was missed because you know it was just again than injuries holding this team back. If Tim is Anderson new, right? is still there, Tim Anderson's still the straw that can stir the drink. Like he was just not that for the two months or three months that you know you know to start the season. If they had that guy there, I mean, this this division again Absolutely. is there for the taking. Yep. Um, but you kind of see it in the base running too. It does feel like he's getting a little bit more of his legs into him. Um, and you look at the full seasons, and Baseball Savant uh, finally has his base running leaderboard. Um, this will be the last batting stuff we'll do and then we'll get into Michael Kopech in his day because uh, he's the large reason why the White Sox won this game um, you look at the full seasons for runner runs um, 2019 Tim was a uh, one uh, which is you know above average runner runs runner runs. you might have to explain this a little bit um, well it basically breaks down to just you know how well he advances when you know there's pass balls um, how many he has the opportunity to advance or take an extra base um, attempt uh, percent above average as well like how many times he's um, attempting to do things that other runners are not so it's explaining the amount of runs generated by his base running independent of his batting exactly gotcha. like how, how often was the runner successful in advancing and and like in 2021 uh tim anderson I, if i'm reading this correctly uh was safe on 60 advances which um would it be like you know near the top of the leaderboard uh just showing you know again his speed and his uh, base running prowess um but 2019 he was at a one 2022 he's at a two 2021 he was at a four this year he's at a zero I think again just kind of talking about the leg injury and and just holding him back from the player that he has been um we'll get into him a little bit more but let's jump into Michael Kopech again Sox win six to two he started the game for the Sox today and we're going to have some audio from Pedro Grafol and we're also going to look into the stats behind today to see if this is repeatable if he's doing anything different um what changed from the brave start that was so poor where he wasn't able able to you know finish a full inning right um so let's look at the stat line Stephen, that you made for the starting pitchers uh, again jose quintana pitched for the mets five innings two earned runs six hits three k's no walks um he was he was fine i mean you know a, a team that has a 400 million dollar payroll should be able to score more than 
two runs. Uh, Kopech, five and two-thirds, one earned run, two hits. One of them was a home run to the Narv Dog. The Narv Dog, he's back. He's back, getting revenge. It was all about Jose Quintana today. That was the that was the old friend alert, Jose Quintana. Nobody was zeroed in on the Narv <laughs> Dog. And what does he do? Comes up and woofs a big one right out of the ballpark. Well, we just talked about David Robertson yesterday, too. He, he closed out the, and got the save, I think. And, and uh, here's Narv Dog. And uh, earlier this season, Eduardo Escobar was on this Mets team as well. See. And they were crawling with former White Sox. And he, I mean, he was so recent. I mean, back to 2022. Right? Eduardo Escobar? Not on the White Sox. Mm, I'm pretty sure Bob Nightingale tweeted that he was a White Sox at some point. Um, It never happened, but, you know, I mean, there there was definitely a report there. Uh, But Kopech, five and two-thirds, one earned run, two hits, five Ks, four walks. And, Steven, you were kind of talking to me through this game, and you were also producing another show, but you were like, oh, Kopech looking good. I said, is looking looking good? Yeah. And, you know, five and two-thirds, one run. That's good. Only two hits. We've seen this before, though. It's the walks that kind of are the glaring mistake in the game for him. Far from perfect today, obviously. Line, yeah. right. with, with those walks, and I'm sure he would tell, that'll be the first thing out of his mouth. will be like, got to keep those walk downs, got to keep those walks down. He didn't pay for them today like he did in that start against Atlanta where he only faced eight batters, walked four of them, um, only got two outs. But um, this is a nice bounce back considering – what that start in Atlanta looked like. And I believe it had been four straight starts for Michael Kopech, the last three of the first he made in the first half, plus that one in Atlanta, in which he had failed to finish the fifth inning. I mean, this was rocky terrain here in the middle of the season. And for him to go out there today, this was not a stellar performance. This was not his best performance by any stretch of the imagination. When he's on, he's making guys swing and miss an awful lot. Today, <coughs> excuse me, today only the, the small number of strikeouts. But... Um, five and two-thirds innings, only one run on the board. Everything's relative, right? And so when you go from two-thirds of an inning and four runs on the board to what you gave, what he was able to come away with today, it's a bounce back. It's a very nice step in the right direction. This is a guy who needs to t- do a lot more of that. And listen, if he did that every start for the entire season, you'd be disappointed because he's not completing six innings. He's walking a lot of guys. He's... Uh, you know, leaving the door open for disaster, so to speak, uh, even had a ball leave the ballpark, which is something that has been bugging him all season as well. But everything's relative. And compared to the last four, this was better. Yeah, it, it was better. And again, it's changing goalpost, I think, for Michael. We'll talk a little bit and hear some audio from Pedro Grafal a little bit later. But he does lead Major League Baseball in walks uh, now with the four today. He's up to... 57. Yeah, and that's okay when you are a Cy Young candidate like Dylan Cease. When you're struggling to keep the ball right. in the yard, when you're struggling to strike guys out, when you're struggling to go five innings, it's not okay. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and that still continues. But again, I mean, he was able to throw 89 pitches, and um, like we noted, uh, this is his first time getting past the fifth inning um, or since June 4th. June 10th, I believe. June, June 10th, oh, he pitched five innings. That was innings. the last time he completed five yeah, innings. It was June 10th. Innings. So, yeah, the one before that, he got out past this. So, yeah. um, you know, we, we did see some – he was able to finish, right? He wasn't perfect in what Steven brought up. You know, he was kind of like, oh, how is Kopech doing? I was explaining to him before Narv Dog went deep that, like – and you could show the results and stuff here. Like, he's the same guy he was. It's just he was a little bit more efficient. But – you really could barely say that. Um, he was more efficient with the fastball, and really, he's a fastball pitcher. Through 60 fastballs today on 89 pitches, 67% fastballs, 
pretty shocked the Mets didn't have more success. Um, they put eight balls in play against Kopech, uh, eight fastballs in play against Kopech, average exit velocity of 95.3, max exit velocity of 109.4. They were hitting him hard. They just didn't have a ton of success against that four-seamer, and we've seen him carry you know, a lot of games, even last year against the Mets or against the Yankees, back-to-back outings where he's throwing 60% fastballs and Judge and Stanton have no idea what to do with it. So like we've seen his fastball be elite. Last year he was, I think, top 10 in uh, stuff plus for the four-seam fastball. But as I was explaining it to Steven, you could look at the slider. Um, oh, sorry, Steven. I was going to go bring stuff up from that one. You can see the slider. He threw it 21 times. Uh, one whiff and two called strikes. Called strike with percentage of 14%. Again, we talk about an average start for a major leaguer being around 29%. He was at a total of 26%. Again, the fastball was really good. 32 uh, called strike, strike plus whiff percentage through 14 called strikes with the fastball. So again, you know, could have been worse if he wasn't able to, you know, get those called strikes. And maybe we do see more walks. Um, but as I'm explaining to Steven, like he just doesn't have a secondary pitch and he leaves one hanging to Narvaez and, you know, he leaves the yard and again it could have looked worse if there was a a runner on from a walk but thankfully there wasn't anyone on Um, but I just haven't seen that jump from Kopech like it's good that he got to five and two-thirds and it seemed like he really wanted to finish six Um, wasn't even at that hundred pitch mark level too so I do wonder if he was probably feeling good he probably wanted to just keep going and just get to that six inning Um, but you know again I don't think that there's enough to be like Oh, that's the guy that we were promised. And I think even Chuck and uh, NBC Sports Chicago today went back and looked at the Yoan Moncada and Chris Sale trade and said, who won? And it's like the Red Sox, they won a World Series. Well, they won a World Series, yeah. yeah. Um, who won the Lucas Giolito, Adam Eaton trade? Uh, well, the Nationals, because they won a World Series. Won the World Series like, with Adam Eaton. Yeah, right. Like Playing well. Yeah. well <laughs> the Sox got Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, and technically Lance Lynn for Adam Eaton. All three of those guys are currently on the team. And then they got Michael Kopech and Yoan Moncada. And Moncada has played enough to say he's a part of the 2023 team. And they signed him to a $75 million extension. And, like, those five players still don't win you the trade because, again, they got the World Series. Like, it's, well, it's but nice also that the Sox were able to, you know, fill out 20 or five of the 26 roster spots. But there just hasn't been that success. Well, sure. But, I mean, like, both teams can win a trade. And teams can win a trade multiple times. The Red Sox made that trade to win the World Series with Chris Sale. Chris Sale got the final out of the World Series for them. They won. They did it. They won the trade. As you just explained with the Nationals, they won the trade. You could argue that the Cubs used Jose Quintana to get to the NLCS for the third year in a row. That's pretty good. But Hmm. guess what? The White Sox could win the World Series next year with most of these guys and win those trades all over again, you know? So, um... That is not something where I don't think you look back at any of those three and say, boy, that side, they really screwed that up. Boy, that side, they really screwed that up in, in any three of those deals. Because really, all three of those teams or all three of those trades, all six teams, including the White Sox three times, right. got exactly what they wanted out of those deals. So, and, and none of those guys, the headline prospects uh, that the White Sox got in all three of those trades, none of them have really there's going to be arguments i would say none of them have been proven to be failure huge big failures as of yet have they lived up to the expectations of where you thought they would be at this point certainly not but i don't think you can look and say oh boy that guy i mean that guy never made it out of double a that guy never you know what i mean so like those guys are still core pieces of a major league baseball team 
that has underachieved because of injuries. But you, I, I, I don't think you can look at any of those three trades and say, boy, the White Sox really screwed that up. I don't know if they screwed it up, but it just it just seems like such missed opportunities because even Lupin, Cease, and Jimenez, what, that's eight of the 26-man roster, is still on the team. Yeah. I mean, like, that's that, that in some way should define success for a team because, again, you made a trade with the thought that this would be, you know, your team – but again, the, the, the success just hasn't been there. Um, you bring up the Cubs again, reaching the NLCS. Sox haven't won a playoff series, um, right. uh, and it's just it's just disappointing. Um, I want to ask you this though, because we're going to talk about Kopech and Mankata is now returning from his rehab. Um, I think you know Cease and Aloy. The biggest thing with Aloy is just staying healthy, and as long as he does, he seems to be all right. Um, but with Mankata, it seems a little bit more severe, right? With Aloy, it seems like there's some nagging injuries here, but with Mankata the back we know with Joe Creedy and I hate to go you know hey 2005 Sox uh but like we know that the back uh, his back injuries just absolutely derailed Joe Creedy's career um like who would you have more concern over Kopech or Moncada right now just looking at the trade pieces because Cease has been fine Aloy's been fine um you look at the Giolito one obviously he's an important trade piece and Reynaldo Lopez didn't work out but the fact that he's still on this team in some way you're that's a success story to, you're allowed to work out as a relief pitcher yeah, yeah. right absolutely <laughs> so I, I mean like you know I think you kind of have concern for Kopech and Mankata at least I do and I think fans do who would you kind of have more concern over I would say Kopech only because Moncada, while far uh, less often than the expectations were than anyone, himself included, would like, Moncada has done it at the big league level. Michael Kopech really hasn't done it at the big league level yet. Uh, it is, it's crazy to think how long this guy's been a part of the organization, how long people have been waiting for him to be Michael Kopech, and still we're kind of waiting, right? I mean, uh, we've got Pedro Grafal, the sound you're going to play here, uh, and I'm sure you did this on purpose to make a very good segue, so nice job, Sean. But um, Nice answer, Vinny. Pedro Grafal has talked about this being a developmental year for Michael Kopech. Now, obviously, that comes with context and caveats and everything, but to think that this guy, after what he went through the last two seasons, which came after the two seasons that he missed before that, which came after the season in which he made his big league debut, is still in development mode. And I'm putting that in quotes because it is a specific definition of that. There are people who say, Pedro being one of them, oh, you never stop developing, you never stop growing. And that is true to an extent. But the, the idea being that Michael Kopech is not the ready to be a top of the rotation style pitcher at this point in his White Sox tenure, it's surprising to at first blush to think about that. Doesn't mean that it's been all screwed up and he can't go anywhere from here, but this is year two of him being a or year three of him being a full-time major league baseball player. Mm-hmm. Year two of him being a full-time major league baseball starter. Year six uh, seven right of him being a part of the White Sox organization and we're still not to the point where he is the, a guy who you go out and send him out there and you're confident in handling a full season of baseball um, I mean I'm talking about that from a stamina standpoint I'm talking about that from a results standpoint some guys it just takes a long time for it to click and that's fine and maybe it'll right. click for Michael by the end of this season in which he's struggled and he goes on to pitch until he's 45 or what something like that but he has not been the guy he has not even been a what you would call on the position player side a reliable everyday player yet and 
I think that that's very frustrating to him. I think he very badly wants to be that guy, but it hasn't happened yet. And so if you're going to just ask me point blank, you have to pick one, who are you more concerned about moving forward from a performance standpoint? It's got to be Kopech because Moncada, we've seen when it all the when the health comes together, right. he can do it, and he's done it. Granted, not to the level that anybody himself included would expect, but um, I think you would. I think you would have fewer questions if you said, going into 2024 on opening day 2024, you've got a completely healthy Michael Kopech and you've got a completely healthy Yoan Moncada. Who do you have fewer questions about? Mm. To me, the answer is Moncada. Because there are, there's been nothing but questions with Kopech since he came to the since he arrived in the major leagues way back when. I do hear your point fully, um, and you're right because when Moncada's fully healthy, he's a top defender at that position, and that's so important. And he's hit alone, not not he, not yeah, not well. over the course of years plural, but he has hit maybe not, again not to the level that that you expected like if you're comparing where we thought this player was going to be to where he is right now sure but I think the point is if you have to kind of again readjust expectations in a way and say for going forward what do you think this guy is I have more faith that Yoan Moncada is a good everyday third baseman that can produce offensively versus Michael Kopech being going out there and posting a sub four three hour sub for ERA over 30 plus starts. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. Like, but with Mancata, especially over the past two years, 142 games, and you just see the batting average 217, kind of stopped walking, power's been zapped. Like, I, I do hear that. I just, I don't know when he'll be healthy. And again, well, like, but you he, could say that about a lot of these players. And we could yeah. say that about Kopech, too. Yes. I mean, like, you know, I mean, well, that, I mean that's the. Yeah, he, he seems to. Well, when, well, I don't know if I don't know if injured and having trouble with stamina. I think those are two different things. But uh, you know, even when they put him on the injured list recently, it seemed to be more about the rest he was getting, getting him back to normal from a stamina standpoint than it was. You know, Yoan Mokata, we don't know when his rehab's going to assignment is going to end because we don't know what his back's going to allow him to do kind of thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. And two, like, uh, he was on the injured list when Pedro Grafol made these comments. Uh, for Friday we blew before. past the segue. Is that what we did? <laughs> yeah, we so started just, off perfect with the segue, and now we've blown past not, the segue, so no, we've got to reel it on back. Yeah, we're going to just drive through that red light. Don't do that. Um, this is uh, Pedro Grafol's answer to Scott Merkin's question about how does Michael Kopech take it to the next level because we've seen a lot of uh, growth uh, from a mental standpoint from Michael but we really haven't seen the results that the Sox and Kopech have wanted on the field so here's Pedro Grafol on Kopech's development. Yeah this has been a really good year for him I think um, not so you know not only on the mound at, at certain times at certain times he's been one of the best pitchers in the game um, but it's been a really good development year for him. He's going to end up being one or two, you know, down down the road. And all the all this that has happened this year um, for him is teaching him how to do that. Um, being a one, two, or three starter in the big leagues and throwing a rubber 32 times, or 33 times, and throwing 180, 90 innings. There's a process to that. You don't just fall out of bed and say, "I'm going to give you 190 innings." Uh, it's, it's a grind, you know, and uh, he's he's in it right now. He's in that development period to where uh, it's not about just getting guys out. It's about navigating a major league season. And, you know, hopefully this little break he's got, he's had, uh, 
will be enough to finish the season. And then he would have gone through a full major league season with two breaks. You know, next year you're looking at it maybe going with one, you know, or maybe none. Who knows? Um, but I think that, I think he is certainly learning how to navigate, you know, 30 to 33 starts. What have you seen the change in him from spring training till now? What's the biggest development he's made already? With Michael? Yes. I, I just think his, his, his attitude, his focus, um, you know, the way he handles adversity. I mean, it's, it's been a big change. Uh, the way he goes about his bullpens. Um, you know, he's committed to this. He's committed to to continuing to learn. Um, he's starting to figure out what it takes to, to go 30, 33 starts, you know, as a big league pitcher. That's a really hard thing to do. Uh, there are very few guys out there do that. If you're... If you're throwing a rubber 30 to 33 times, you're probably giving us about 175 to 190 innings. And that's really hard to do. And he's, he's got the body for it. He's got the, you know, the stuff for it. Um, just learning how to do it. Is, he's obviously had a unique journey over the, the last several years, but is he is what you're seeing this year going to put him in the position to be able to do that, what you just said, next year? I think so. And we're going to count on him to do that, too. Counting on him this year, and we're counting on him to have a really good offseason, and we're counting on him to be, you know, one of the guys next year to give us those type of innings. Um, that's what we're developing him for, you know, to, to go ahead and be one of those two or three guys at the top that that we can count on every five days or six days. A lot of interesting stuff there from Pedro on Kopech. You brought up one of the quotes um, that it's been a really good developmental year for him. And again, we're talking about a 27-year-old pitcher who has now played in his 91st game, made his 51st start today. Um, it is interesting word choice to say developmental year. I, I think it is... It makes sense, though, because, again, I don't think last year was a success for Kopech because that was the first year transitioning from the bullpen to a starting role. And obviously 2020 was the oddest year in anyone's life. And, you know, he, he chose to opt out of playing that year. Um, it, it does seem like, you know, I, I wasn't completely taken back by the word developmental, but I mean, they were looking for him to be a consistent fifth starter. Has he has he done that? in 2023 well no i mean he hasn't been consistent at all in 2023 and i think you know but th those are just results I, I i think the idea is again we're talking about these expectations and and when i was standing in front of pedro hearing that uh, my mind probably did the same thing that a lot of fans hearing that you know the same thing did to them which is developmental really wow we're still talking about oh he's going to grow through this year and then just wait until next year next year we're going to be counting on him to be this guy and 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 pedro said it they're counting on him this year too but again i i thought that's what last year was right, right? i thought that's what last year was give it allow him to maybe take his time to get used to being a major league starting pitcher he hadn't done it he hadn't done it for for uh, any more than a handful of starts, uh, and now we're kind of doing that again. You know, I mean, listen, I understand he could have pitched more as a back end type guy this year. He didn't need to be go out and be a Cy Young candidate or anything like that because they had Cease, they had Lynn, and they had Giolito who had done it before. Even Mike Clevenger, who there were a lot of questions, we had no idea what they were going to get from him yeah. when coming into the season. At least that's a guy who's got a ton of major league experience under his belt. If Kopech is still in that transitory mode, then okay, he doesn't need to be the best, but man, he needs to give you innings. 
because we talked about Davis Martin as the only safety net, and then boop, boop, that got taken away right away with the with the Tommy John surgery. Now they're looking at a year where it's going to be real rocky. It's going to be uneven footing by the end by the time unless the next two months for Michael are really really good. He's going to go into 2024 with a lot of the same questions that he came into 2023 with, and he might be the number two starter in the rotation. Right. That's just it's just. Again, I'm not saying that he's not allowed to take the time. Remember what Lucas Giolito said to me in the interview that, that we did, how loyal he is to the White Sox organization because they allowed him to fail at the big league level, what that meant to him from a learning standpoint, and it turned him into the pitcher he is now, the, or even more specifically, the pitcher he was when he was an all-star. Maybe Michael Kopech is, is getting those same benefits moving forward, and he's going to be the guy that was promised because of this, not in spite of it. But... When Lucas Giolito was doing that, when he was the quote-unquote worst pitcher in baseball, the White Sox were rebuilding. Quite frankly, it didn't matter how many games they lost. Mm-hmm. Now they're a team that's 16 below, games below 500 in a season where they started thinking they were going to try to not only compete for a division but more. So Michael Kopech having this kind of year is helping or is, is contributing to that disappoint that team-wide disappointment the immense failure that we're seeing where they're 16 games below 500 and cruising towards seller status here in in less than two weeks when they should have been up at the top of the division standings Michael Kopech not doing what he was supposed to do is a big reason why they are where they are along with many others so it, it, it that's what jumps out to me is this guy needed to be ready for this year if not completely ready if not a finished product at least a little bit closer to to what he's shown um and if they put their eggs in a basket where he is him and dylan cease are the two top two pitchers in their starting rotation in 2024 a year which i believe they're going to try to be a competitive team he better be ready for that and 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 if if the next two months look only even a, let's say a little better than the first three four months have looked for Michael Kopech then I'm going to have a lot of questions and I think a lot of other people are as well as to whether he can be that guy for them next year yeah and it, it again like it does seem like he's regressing um the inability to finish games um seems like he really does have a lack of confidence in anything but his four seamer um and we saw last year his curveball was a positive pitch and now he's basically shelved that they've kind of changed his curveball and slider and and seemingly tweaked it to kind of be a one super pitch but I don't really think he's found a consistent release point for it again we showed that he only had one whiff and two called strikes with the pitch today just not able to throw it enticingly enough to get batters to swing and miss and that changeup, even though Yaz was raving it up in spring training doesn't seem like it's really that effective and again it just goes to a pitcher that can't go deep really is relying on batters to swing and miss out of the zone and if they don't He's either going to walk they eight walk. guys or, <laughs> you know, he's going to throw a, a hanging slider over the middle of the plate and Narv Dog's going to take him deep. Or, <laughs> or the Giants are going to notice that he's tipping his curveball and wait until the fifth inning where he starts throwing it and bang, 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 bang. Uh, I mean, like, it's just, it's, it's. I have no barking that. noises for the Giants. I'm sorry. Do we have, a, we have a barking noise, I think, saved. Um, I think that's free to play the sound effect. I'm oh, pretty it's sure that's a B. B, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this has been a really concerning 
year for Kopech because again, the, the length hasn't been there and it just doesn't seem like the development of learning what pitches to throw where, the confidence in those pitches, um, the ability to you know go in, out, up, down. Like It just seems like, I'm going to throw this pitch, and I hope you swing and miss. Like I'm going to throw 95 and uh, throw it, and I don't know if that goes to shoulder injuries. I wasn't an athlete. Uh, I didn't have the makings of a varsity athlete, but um, you know, we see the the shoulder injury, the shoulder inflammation uh, rear up, and you know, I, I don't know if the White Sox can keep him healthy enough to get to the thirty starts that Pedro Grafal's talking about. Well, and and here's what I'll say: I, I I think, like I said, it's possible that going through these struggles ends up being a benefit to him. This is a learning process. Okay, sure, but you're going to have those questions. At the, begin, at, at, the, at the end of the season, you're going to have those questions, and reliability is probably, from, from a performance standpoint, is probably not going to be an adjective that you can ascribe to Michael Kopech. So the White Sox are already in a situation right today where they could be going into this winter looking to replace 60% of their starting rotation. And then, and then you add Michael Kopech as a big question mark on top of it. How much planning do they have to do how many moves do they need to make to shore up this rotation ahead of 2024 not only to fill the holes that they are set to have at the moment but to create some sort of backup plan for a guy who hasn't been able to find much consistency davis martin is not going to be ready by opening day after having tommy john surgery so even if you were confident in what he showed you at the end of last season enough to give him a shot at a rotation spot next season which again would come with its own wild set of question marks considering he hasn't pit he won't have pitched in a full year now you've got another guy a fourth spot in that rotation that is a question mark is it as big of a question mark as the other 3 no because those don't have any people in them but it is a big question mark and you're going into a year in which you want to compete with one decently anything close to a sure thing in your in your starting rotation and let's not forget that Dylan Cease hasn't had as great of a year that he had than he had last year either so it, it is all shaping up I think Kopech individually there's plenty to talk about but when you when you add that to the whole it is shaping up to be a very important busy call it whatever you want it's just going to be a very interesting White Sox offseason from a starting pitching standpoint because they're not going to have a lot of it in-house to begin with yeah and again uh, post-trade deadline that first time that Rick meets the media is going to be interesting to see hear his thoughts on the 2024 team and the 2024 rotation because if they do move Giolito they do move Lance um, again you talked about what 60% of the rotation needing to be filled and then right. the, the question marks with Kopech it's going to be interesting to see how he answers that and what he thinks of this because again we are still in that you know we got to see if they're going to turn it around you know it really hasn't been a, an either way or a, either but we'll have more of a definitive outlook of what the White Sox will look for uh, in 2024 after the trade deadline so this is going to be a really important uh, deadline and make sure you're hanging out with us hit that subscribe button hit that thumbs up button uh, we were only going to talk to about Michael Kopech for about 25 minutes we're 40 minutes in um, time flies when you're having fun uh, gonna tell you about a uh, great ad a uh, great sponsors here um, we'll jump real quick back to Kopech and we'll have a little bit of fun then we'll get out of here um, we're mainly having fun though because it's our Friday we're done we're done for the week we're gonna leave work early believe we work basically a day early we're gonna be done now with this day game uh, gotta love East Coast day game Sean four o'clock I mean we'll be home traffic by five I mean it's five o'clock somewhere it's a Thursday it's a you weekend you telling me it's gonna take me an hour to get home 
Yeah, you don't it's take. Going to take me an hour to get up Ashland? You don't take the. You don't take ninety. It'll take at least forty-five minutes. Forty-five minutes, half hour tops. Okay, all right. I'm not touching that. I'm not touching that Kennedy Expressway. Hey, uh, th- and that makes Vinny feel good. Um, when Vinny avoids the Kennedy Expressway, that makes him feel good. Uh, Luis Robert makes us feel good as well. That's who's made us feel good in Chicago sports this week, and Liam Hendricks too. Shout out to Liam Hendricks because um, we, we talked about that yesterday. Him and Cookie Carrasco um, held an event where uh, some pediatric uh, cancer uh, patients, uh, some children who are pediatric. Well, that pediatric is children. You don't have a college degree. Reset. Let's Reset. Sunnyside Cannabis Dispensary. They're going to make you feel good this Friday. It's a Sunnyside Cannabis Friday. Luis Robert makes us feel good. Liam Hendricks makes us feel good. And Sunnyside can help you. Avoiding the Kennedy makes us feel good. Avoiding the Kennedy makes us feel good. Sunnyside is going to try to help you feel good by welcoming you. They're going to be positive and they're going to be confident with their knowledge helping you through your cannabis journey. Whether you are just starting your cannabis journey or whether you are a seasoned vet like Yasmani Grandal. Um, it's a one-stop shop for all your cannabis needs, no matter where you are on your cannabis journey. And they have easy online ordering and in-store pickup, which makes it easy for you to pick up the great, great deals that Sunnyside Cannabis has for you. You can get fantastic deals on their in-house brands like Mindy's, Good News, Cresco, High Supplies, Floracal, Wonder, and Remedy. And they have dispensaries in the cities and suburbs from Wrigleyville to River North and Champaign to South Beloit and through August so it's coming up all right you got you got a little bit of time here to still do this through August head to sunnyside.shop and use code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your total order one use per customer it's not stackable with other promotions that's not only for new customers anyone can use our code pick up everything you need to elevate your summer must be 21 plus or an Illinois med card holder um, and again thank you to Sunnyside uh, Cannabis Dispensary for helping us out use code CHGO25 for 25% off at sunnyside.shop um, also want to let you know about our friends over at Lewis University um, I mentioned I have a degree I didn't get mine at Lewis um, but I, I had the same idea you know I wanted to stay local I went to St. Xavier it was only a 10 minute drive um, which was like I don't even not even a mile um, but you know my my cousin Maggie took a little bit of a different route. She went 35 miles southwest of Chicago in Romeoville uh, to Lewis University. It's ranked as one of U.S. News and World Report's top tier colleges. And they are looking to help you succeed, whether you have a full-time job, a part-time job. Maybe you are an undergrad student who didn't love her their first choice in college and want to return home but look to commute and save some money. Lewis has the right program for you, and Lewis offers several career-focused programs like criminal justice and public safety, data science, and computer science. I told you friends about uh, my guy Ashish, who works at the 7-Eleven, that's currently finishing his uh, master's degree at Lewis University. Uh, Very proud of him. Very proud of my cousin Maggie, who finished her nursing degree there. Discover how a degree from Lewis University can help build a better world. Learn more at lewisu.edu slash you can do this. lewisu.edu slash you can do this. All right. uh, final thing I wanted to do and talk about with the COPEC discussion here is, you, know, you mentioned that COPEC's failures here, not failures, but uh, COPEC's struggles this year, again, lead to the disappointment of the 2023 team, and he is one of many. I mean, Dylan Cease has a down year. Lucas Giolito has been the bright spot, but even Lance Lynn has had a down year. Clevenger's been injured, and he's been, eh, you know, all right. Um, but, and even the hitting side, too. I mean, we bring up Sam Anderson, but 
I think, again, the biggest failure is on who created the team, who put this together. And I always think of this quote, and shout out to Jeff Passan. Hope he's feeling better with his broken back. Um, but he had these quotes from Kenny after they signed Jeff uh, – not after they signed Jeff Passan. Yes, Monty Grandal. Um, Kenny on the White Sox long-term strategy. This was all planned. Going back five years ago when we started this and started thinking about this, we got ourselves in position with our young core and we could augment it with guys like this. And what it means for 2020, and obviously 2020 was changed and beyond, uh, Kenny said, it's clearly we're trying to put ourselves in a window that could very well start next year, but extend to the next five or seven years. And we are already looking at 2023, which would be... I mean, four years removed from 2020, but even though that was kind of like not even a, a real year. They made the playoffs. Uh, they, they made the playoffs. <laughs> uh, I mean, they only made the playoffs in 2021 in the, the, the full season. So they're likely going to have 100 losses in the third year of the, the, the full three seasons after signing Asmani Grandal. Like, I mean, that is just the biggest, I think, you know, disappointment is that, you know, obviously Michael Kopech didn't reach the, the levels that they were expecting him to and Cease maybe hasn't been consistent as they wanted to, but it is just an organizational failure for the fact that you were supposed to be in this window for seven years and in 2024 you have three question marks in your rotation possibly? I mean, they had team options for Lance Lynn, and they would have the choice to keep him or not. But, I mean, a contender might pick him up, and it might not be their option to even decide on. I mean, same with Lucas. I mean, Lucas could be extended a qualifying offer, and maybe the Sox try to keep him around the offseason if they do have, you know, 85 to 92 wins. But, again, they're probably closing in on 100 losses. I just – I don't understand how it, it got this bad. How, well, how they got you, to the I, shape I think, of... I think you do because you, you, you keep bringing it up, and I think everybody knows this. It's just un, it's an unsatisfying answer. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people are wanting to go, that guy, get him. He's the one to blame. That was, the, that was what we spent all last year hearing from everybody was, oh, my God, Tony La Russa, Tony La Russa ruined everything, blah, blah, blah. Now that has shifted to other folks. But it's injuries, man. I mean, we, we talk about this all the time. It's injuries. It is. W- Listen, we're talking about Michael Kopech being in a developmental year still in 2023. That's because in 2019, he couldn't pitch at all because he had Tommy John surgery. And then in 2020, he didn't play at all. The guy missed two seasons. Dial this back two seasons, and we're talking about this two years ago, right? I mean, that's just one example. And he's a guy who has, you know... Aloy Jimenez, you, you brought up earlier, can't stay healthy. Yoan Moncada, can't stay healthy. Tim Anderson, can't stay healthy. Luis Robert Jr., this is the first time in his career. He debuted back in 2020. This is his fourth year. It's Luis Robert Jr.'s fourth year in Major League Baseball. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. I mean, th- that's, that's the word. If you're looking for one word as to the, the biggest reason this ended up at this point, that's what it is. Is it the only reason? Absolutely not. But is it, <laughs> is it the main reason? Yes. And I think that... If you go ahead and dial some of that bad luck back just a little bit, they're in a much different spot because each one of these individual guys is in a much different spot. It, they, there's been absolutely no consistency because they haven't been on the field consistently. The guys who have been, they have, they have not been the problems, right? Lucas Giolito has not had one of these big, giant injuries yet that uh that that these guys have had dylan cease has been able to be be on the field and those two guys are probably the guys who have performed the best over the course of this whole quote unquote window right meanwhile the guys who haven't been able to stay on the field have been disappointing you want to look at yasmani grandal that's the guy you bring bring up through for this angle right yasmani grandal has spent 
two to three of those seasons, uh, you know, sidelined and unable to play for the for the majority of, of the time that's a big deal that's a big deal because when all you got to do is go back to 21 when he was on the field when he was able to swing the bat he was like hitting a home run like every day basically <laughs> i mean think of what these guys could have done had they avoided all these stretches the white Sox not only got hit with the injuries by these guys but injuries to all these guys all the time and that is not an excuse it's, it's not an excuse because uh, – here, here's a Tony La Russa thing. Tony La Russa always used to say, you ask me for an explanation, all I know is that people sitting at home are going to hear an explanation and hear it as an yeah. excuse. And that's what you're hearing from me right now, I'm sure. But the point is, I am trying to explain it. That's the number one reason that things are well, this bad. It is not the only reason, but it's number one. The reason I chose the angle was less for Yasmani because the, the injuries is absolutely important and a, a huge part of why the White Sox didn't get to that five- to seven-year window. But, again – before they even signed Yasmani Grandal, when he was saying that this has been a thought for five years now, uh, before they even got to 2019, Rick said in 2017, when they were signing Luis Robert Jr. and Aloy Jimenez, that they would have a sustained pipeline of talent. And the fact that you have Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech, three question marks, and you're screwed because Davis Martin is injured, like that is condemn the building. Like, that is the reason why the White Sox are in this position, because the architects that built it didn't build it well enough. Well, and I they, think maybe they, what they you're saying is of, they didn't keep building it. Well, it feels and like... And that it, was yeah. one of the goals. Rick Hahn has said that a million times. So, like, right. you're not, you're not like, it's not like you, like, dug up a gotcha quote no, know, from know, five years ago. Like, Rick Hahn has said all the time, the point is was sustained success. The point was to build a team that would go on past the window and keep creating new windows and you know the idea was to load this thing up and make it the long-term success plan that I, that you, whether you uh think that this group of core players can turn something around here in in the last few years of their contracts is is moot their farm system is still ranked as one of the worst in baseball as one of the lowest ranked in baseball things are changing they've got some some prospects to be excited about sure but when they when they built this thing, they had a ton of the best prospects you could possibly imagine. And then they all went to the major leagues, and the major league team was supposed to be kicking ass while the minor leagues were being replenished. Neither of those two things have happened, and that self-sustaining machine, so to speak, right, uh, the perpetual motion machine of having another waves and waves of guys to come up has not happened. Now, listen, that's hard to do. You know where else it didn't happen? That way. Right. Cubs haven't had that either. And so after all their core guys got traded, they still haven't had this, you know, influx of guys every single year that have come up and, and done something. They've had a few and, and, and some good guys. But again, it, it has not been so it's hard to do. Not even the great Theo Epstein could do it. Right. And well, so that's it. It's it. But you're right. It hasn't happened. And so as we look to the future now, because the present has been the disappointment that it's been the future does not look as bright as probably rick and kenny and jerry hoped that it would have five years ago and that's why i want to bash my head in whenever i'm listening to the uh, flagship of the chicago white Sox, and one of the daytime hosts brings up uh the white Sox need to hire uh, theo epstein it's like no 
he is comfortable in the spot that he's in. And also, we don't need to retread something that clearly didn't work and worked. Well, in it a, worked. Well, it worked well, it, pretty spectacularly once. It worked yeah. in a different era of baseball. It worked, sure. you know, when, you know, 2004 to 2016. And one of the biggest flaws that we can see now in the Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer thing was the reason why they're acquiring Jose Quintana was they weren't going to develop pitching. They were going to put all of their eggs in the 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 development of hitting um, and you know getting the talent for hitting they didn't do enough job good enough job developing that hitting talent and then they didn't have any pitching so it was like oh shit everything right. you know so but and that like, team, the White Sox did the same thing but that like, team won the World Series right and so I even the White like, Sox didn't well I'm just saying that like <laughs> listen the, the the White Sox tried to do what the Cubs did what the Astros did what you know what other teams have done to varying degrees. Uh, the Royals did it a little bit, right, with their big core guys that then ended up going to back-to-back World Series. Um, that was the roadmap. That was what you were supposed to do to have success. No, very few of those teams, were, a- even if they won the World Series, were able to keep it going. Who are the teams that have been able to keep it going? You can count them on one hand, you know, the Dodgers and the maybe the Rays you can point to. And, Dodgers, and Rays, the Astros, Astros and, and the Braves. Braves. Yeah, But, I mean... That's four teams out of 30 mm-hmm. and, and out of however many and, you know, tried to do this rebuild, be it fully or halfway thing. So, um, again, not apologizing for anybody. This is their job. They're supposed to go try to do this. But I'm just saying it didn't work and it's it's hard to make it work, too. Also, these guys are probably still going to be here next year. I don't think you can call a time of death on this thing quite yet, to be to be fair. That being said. There's 16 games under 500. But my point being that this core's – I don't think the expiration date of this core is necessarily at the end of this season or, or at the end of next week yeah. when the when the trade deadline rolls around. But, but I feel like the, it's like the core going through a paper shredder. Like the core is going to look different. You're going to have to piece it together. And, you know, it's not it, – I feel like it's it's the time of death for – this core like the 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 2019 to 2023 core maybe you say that was dead with jose bray going out the door like i i do think that you know especially depends on how micro or macro you want to look at it sure but yeah um but we'll we'll take a break here um and then we'll just talk a little bit about luis robert jr because i know uh a guy ian said is the only reason why anyone else is watching is because luis robert jr and but it's possible uh want to let you know about our friends over at foco um Obviously, Tim Anderson's been picking it up. It's been hot since the All-Star break. Uh, even that lovely Southpaw bobblehead were donated by FOCO. Check them out at FOCO.com, F-O-C-O.com, or click the link in the description below. Have a ton of fun going through their website, checking out all their bobbleheads. Uh, we've brought up the Arkansas uh, Andrew Benatendi bobblehead a ton, uh, but get fit, fitted in the best sports gear around. They have hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between, that in between stuff you need for a baseball game. Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, again, everything you need for a game. And they were very nice to donate the set decorations, and uh, we're very proud to put those out each and every day. So check out foco.com. Or click the link in the description below for all nine preset items. Use promo code CHGO for 10% off. Again, foco.com, F-O-C-O. Click the link in the description below for all nine preset items. Use promo code CHGO for 10% off. And if you're not busy, on August 25th, we want you to come out to Cog Hill. Okay? I think it's a Friday. Again, skip work. Have a feel-good Friday. Enjoy some uh, Sunnyside Cannabis Dispensary. Come out to Cog Hill. Um, August 25th, 9 a.m. shotgun start. 18 holes are included with your ticket and a cart, and you have 
exclusive uh, CHO and pins and aces polo for all players. You can see that in the bottom left. Um, it's a very, very, very pretty polo. I'm excited to own one. Um, we'll have whole contests where you can get some giveaways and prizes there. And there'll also be uh, a lunch, drinks, and a ceremony after the round. And if you are a diehard and you could sign up to be a diehard today at allchgo.com, you get this lovely swag box where your uh, free t-shirt will come in. You get some stickers as well. You get a, a membership, diehard membership card. You get 20% off to events. Um, and you get access to our members only Discord uh, where you get to chat with uh diehards alike you know about the bear season bull season sock seasons cub season uh whatever type Hawk of fan season. you are hawk season sky season fire season the rush is back my friend um so check out allchgo.com make sure you're getting that 20 percent off to events it's like the chgo kickoff classic at Hill. also you guys are diehards you guys rock we had a whole contest with the chgo cubs crew to see who would sell more tickets sooner for the crosstown series steven i need you to make a graphic and I need you to put sold right out, now. sold out over July 26th. We're sold out, people. We're going to have a ton of fun. Uh, we're going to have a pregame meetup over at uh, Gaelic Park in Oak Forest. And uh, we're going to have a ton of fun over there. So if you do want to join us on the north side one, uh, make sure that you're buying tickets at allchgo.com. Use your diehard discount uh, for August 16th. Plenty of Sox fans up there on the north side. Yeah. Uh, walking around, driving around, see the Sox hats all over the place. So absolutely, I, I know I know the Sox fans will want to go to the uh, to the other ballpark as well. I was driving and I started hearing this. My tire was flat, um, and uh, so then I you know got the spare put on, and then I took it to uh, uh, this place uh, over by me. And uh, again, heart of the North Side, the guy the, you know doing the cashier uh, cashiering, is wearing a Sox hat. I'm like, tough season, buddy. He's like, ugh, and I'm like. Chicago, Chicago cool. hey, Chicago's baseball team, just purely from a geographic standpoint, maybe. I think maybe. so. Maybe. I, I don't have so. the data, but I'm, I'm just saying. I'm putting, it, putting that, uh, I'm positing that theory. Is it the baseball team of all 77 neighborhoods? Because if we're not including the suburbs, I think it, I think we have a case for the Sox Oh, yeah, being suburbs, the, they love the Cubs. The but, 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 uh, but in the city, geographically speaking... Chicago's team. It's possible. It's possible. We got like three minutes left. We need to left. take a census. Uh, <laughs> uh, can we include that on the next census? Put it on the census. Let's go. Yeah. Come on. Chicago census only. Um, so let's, um, we got like three minutes left. Let's rattle off some few things. Okay. Uh, Aaron Bummer, multi-inning guy now. Yeah. That's what Pedro Grafol said, and we saw multi-innings from him today. Mm-hmm. Almost went two innings. He was he was very good today, uh, and I, I think I think he might have gone two innings from the number standpoint. Finished off the sixth, pitched the seventh, and I think he got the first. Yeah, oh, he got the first one out of the of the uh, one and two thirds. Yeah, so one and two thirds total. Uh, listen, Aaron Bummer's taken a lot of crap uh, from people this year because the ERA is gigantic. Okay. Do what you will. Aaron Bummer has not probably been as bad as that ERA suggests, um, and he's done this before. He has the ability to go a little deeper, to have a little longer outings. He is going to be a guy to watch in the final two months of the season because if Kendall Graveman and Joe Kelly are indeed candidates to be traded at the deadline and they do switch teams, they're going to need a new back end of the bullpen because Liam Hendricks is still um, not able to, to, to be the closer. I mean, Keenan Middleton... Gregory Santos, Aaron Bummer, that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I think it's an interesting time for them to start using Aaron Bummer a little bit more like this. Maybe he's feeling healthier, um, but we did see two – he's had four starts this – or four uh, outings this year where he's uh, pitched more than 25 uh, pitches. Uh, two of them were in April, and then now two of them are in July. Um, I do wonder if that's also a thing for, you know, an extra team to kind of 
you know, fill out the bullpen. Hey, you have a lefty who can go multiple innings. Um, he's controlled. Like, I don't know. He, he could be an interesting trade piece. Like, baseball's weird. You never know who's going to interest one of these weirdo teams. Um, like, San Francisco. Couldn't see San Francisco being interested in Aaron Bummer. They have the wall out there in, 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 in right field. I mean, you think any lefty is going to pull a homer against Aaron Bummer? No. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I Interesting name, and it's interesting to see him uh, go that deep. All right, little quiz here before we get out. Vinny? Yeah. Luis Robert Jr., I think, is going to have uh, 20 homers. He already does. Or, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, 20 homers. Yeah. And 20 steals. Okay, sure. So, um, 2020. He's just reached 10 like today. Show. Ten, 10 steals today. Okay. I want to ask you, mm-hmm. who are the six White Sox players in history to have 20 homers and 20 steals in a season? One guy did it twice. One guy you won't get, so I'll give them to you later. But you can get five of the six, and one of those names is a, a, a repeater. 20 homers, 20 20 homers, 20 steals. In a boy, season. oh, boy. For a White Sox. All right, let's start with Robin Ventura. No. No, let's start with Maglio Ordonez. Yes. All right. He has the most homers uh, out of anyone who hit uh, 20 uh, and stole 20. Uh, okay. He hit, uh, over 30. So I do think Luis Robert is probably going to pass Mags for most homers for a uh, 2020 season, uh, okay. if, as long as he gets to those 20 stolen okay, bases. So Mags. Let's stay on that same team. Let's go with Carlos Lee. Ooh, El Caballo. I, I don't think El no? Caballo did. He did not. Um, okay. So, so no Mags. You got a 2012 a 2010, a 2018, and a 2001. So I guess he does have a teammate. I'm sorry, he does have a teammate. 2010, 2012, and 2018? A team that I covered, 2018? Yes, 2018. um, The guy that did it in 2012 and 2010 was the same guy. I think I got that guy. All right, well, 2018, is it Avi? It's not Avi. 2018 is not obvious. 2010, 2012, is that Alex Rios? Alex Rios. Oh, Steven. Did it twice. Rios. Only White Sox with uh, 20 homers and 20 stolen bases in a season. Mags had 31 and 25. Rios had 25 and 23 in 2012. Alex Rios had 21 and 34 in 2010. There's another 2001, a Mags teammate who did it. Um, and then uh, Jose Valentin 2018, not Jose Valentin. Ooh. Ray Durham. Ray Durham. There wow. you go. Steven is yeah, running away with it. this. 20 homers and 23 stolen bases for Ray Durham in uh, 2001. And this player in 2018 had an OPS of 687, but hit 20 homers and 26 stolen bases. Nearly 30 doubles. Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson. TA7. There you go. Um, also had 150 strikeouts. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, TA before he was great. Or, like, you know, won, won a batting title in 2019. Or, yeah. 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 Um, so the year before the batting title when right. he only hit 240. <laughs> yes. Uh, hit 240. But, I mean, again, there right. was signs of life with 20 homers, 26 stolen bases, 28 stolen, uh, 28 doubles. Uh, I, I still feel like that player's in there. And then the one guy that you guys wouldn't get, uh, 1966, the guy with the most stolen bases, 44. Tommy Agee. Mm, um, all right. Yeah, he was a rookie of the year uh, for the White Sox in 1966. Okay. Hit 22 homers, stole 44 bags, uh, and then finished sixth in MVP voting with the Mets, the uh, Miracle Mets, the Mason Mets in 1969, uh, and then kind of fell out of baseball. Well, so. Steve, Steven wins that one. Yeah, good job, Steven. I'm Thank proud you. of you. Yeah, good good trivia showing. Uh you don't know what to say. Like, you're so surprised by it. I, mean, I don't know why White Sox. I don't know. Not surprised. I mean, how old were you Good in job. 2001, Stephen? I was eight. Yeah. So, you know. It's pretty formative. Yeah. Working at a disadvantage to me, who had the entire MLB Showdown 2001 set. Okay. So, you know. I mean, I, it, 
Immaculate Grid has made me realize how ingrained like eight-year-old baseball is. Like I saw that there was the Royals and Pirates, and I was like, Jason Kendall. And just like you know, I just knew that Jason Kendall was a Royal. Yeah. Um, you know, I just I, I unfortunately also, also a Cub. Also a Cub. And an A. And a, a Brewer, I think, as well. Really? Yeah. Wow. Jason Kendall bounced Jason around. Kendall. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining us. We appreciate it so much. Uh, make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button. Uh, that's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Uh, thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us in the chat and hitting that thumbs up button. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you to uh, Stephen Nicholas for producing the show <laughs> and for making this. Beep, 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 beep. I like my stickers on the back of my laptop. The, the whatever yeah, happened so to just that? Just bled through, I guess. It looks nice. It does. I like it. It's a good colorful. Look. Yeah, very colorful. Uh, very nice. It's a me, a Mario. Um, I don't know if that was good. Anyways, bye. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, no, we won't. We'll talk to you on Sunday. And Herb's gonna be back. Really? Really? Look at that. Wow. Wow. We'll end this train wreck. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>